Funding for Elwood City Limits is provided by Christopher Ifill, Ian Collis, John Dulong, Josias Melendez, Leanne S., Light Relentless, and Poolside123. If you'd like to support the podcast and get a little something for your trouble, go to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Instagram. At Elwood City Limits. And through email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. a bit of uh, amateur soundscapes happening today. Uh, Lucas, you've got a little bit of the sounds of the city uh, coming out around you, and if you listen very closely uh, to my end of this podcast, you may hear what sounds like somebody in the corner of the room constantly peeing, but it's actually the sound of our fish tank, which needs its water to be changed, so uh, don't worry. That's uh, not going to be there forever. Yeah, well, it was a nice run, you know, talking about episodes of Arthur, but now I think we're going to get into more of a, a theater of the mind, if you will. Mm. Uh, maybe closer to something like a serial or, or a podcast you'd find on NPR. We're going to really take you on an audio journey to both downtown Dartmouth and uh, your apartment with a fish tank in it. <laughs> here's a, here's kind of a serious question. Um, do do ASMR podcasts exist? Oh, oh my goodness, they they must, they must. You'd you th- you think so, right? Because I mean, it's so popular. It's so popular on YouTube. I know it's one of your favorite things in the world, but uh, you'd th- you'd think that that would be almost a natural extension. But I can't think of any that I've really. The only thing I can e- think of is the episode of My Brother, My Brother and Me, where they do ASMR the entire episode. <laughs> Right. Um, which is one of my favorite ASMR anythings ever. The only thing the only thing I know from that is Ezekiel <laughs> Oh, the live foley, it gets me every time. <laughs> the walking away and walking back to the mic and then just <laughs> with I, I can't do the card noise. Great stuff. Welcome everybody to Elwood City Limits, the episode that we almost thought wasn't going to happen, but thanks to uh I guess fortuitous circumstances. Here we are. We're ready to talk about another episode of Arthur season That's five. That's right. Class was canceled. So you're getting an episode this week. All right. My name's Will Young, and that's Lucas Mancini. Hello. I do have a topic for the next filibuster episode whenever that comes in, and it's actually going to be a lot better if it happens in October. So uh, I'm going to hold hold on to that. I'm going to put a pin in that just in case. I know that you know this is the time of year when school starts to ramp up a little bit. Yeah, I also have a uh, uh, if your topic's what you're thinking of. I also have a filibuster uh, October themed talk topic mm. that I've got in the loaded up in the chamber for whenever we might need it. All right. Okay. I. You know what? I kind of had the feeling that maybe we might be on kind of similar wavelengths there. Uh, speaking of similar wavelengths, welcome everybody uh, to talk about some more Arthur. And we've got a couple of correspondences from our lovely listeners that I'd like to uh, talk about before we get into the episode at large. Uh, Are first, these correspondences electronic in nature? Or absolutely. A telegram. No, I wish. I, I, I mean, 
apart from the uh, the lovely DW pin, which mm. uh, I believe that was Teresa and Stella got for us. If I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, I've been wearing that to work a lot more. It helps to kind of project my mental image at work. <laughs> and it's uh, something of a good luck charm now for me. Uh, other than that piece of snail mail, I don't think that there's any others that we've gotten, Telegram or otherwise. But hey, I'm open to the possibility. Yes, these Lucas, these are electronic in nature. In fact, one of these I wanted to make sure that I uh, got into our inbox over at elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. This one is from Kelsey who wrote us uh, last week about um, Mr. Ratburn's father, among other things, I believe. Uh, Not necessarily a question, but a follow-up from the letter I sent you. I do want to inform you that I'm from Minnesota, and it's not always cold unless you're in Duluth. Other than that, we have different seasons just like the rest of the world. When it's summer, it's really hot or rainy. I also wanted to add that the You Betcha reference is also a Duluth-only thing. The rest of Minnesota doesn't really say that phrase. So it seems like Kelsey uh, in Minnesota has kind of the same feelings that we do about our side of the world. You know, when people in Atlantic Canada say, like, or feel they have that stereotype from Atlantic Canada. It's like, oh, it's always cold. It's like, well, not really. In fact, sometimes it's downright uh, unbearably hot. Yeah, there's certain states where I, I feel that sort of kinmanship too. Here as Canadians, uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about Nova Scotia or about Canada in general, and I feel like a lot of other states get that as well. Where I'm sure Minnesotans, Minnesotites, uh, are sick of people being like, "Oh, Minnesota, it's so cold," uh, because the the skinny the 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 secret is that I've heard nothing but good things about Minnesota. Apparently, Minneapolis is an incredible city, um, and some of the uh, the nature and the scenery in the state of Minnesota is quite beautiful. So uh, if you can get past the fact that they do indeed have winter, like many other places, apparently it's a lovely place to be. Yeah, I'd like to go there sometime. I imagine that a lot of the stereotypes uh, come in no small parts t- thanks to the movie Fargo. Mm. And now we dip over to our email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you for that Tumblr ask, Kelsey. It's uh, it's Z again. Z sends us another email. Thank you for answering my question last time. I hope this hasn't been answered yet. Do you have a favorite title card openings that play before the episode? So we did actually talk about this uh, a few episodes ago. If you go back to season four, it's the episode with JV. And then the episode immediately after that, we kind of talk about uh, our favorite title cards. Lucas, I think your favorite of mine was the one with Buster either roaring or burping or just making a noise. It's true, but uh, the more I've thought about it, I'm also going to give uh, honorable mention to the one where the spaceship lands and he takes the uh, helmet off. Yeah, there's a lot of good noises in that one. It's very, it's, it's sound mixed very well. I know what you're talking about. Uh, and Z also says, by the way, those Choco sticks from the Big Riddle episode reminds me of Pocky, the Japanese Ooh. cookie sticks covered in chocolate. Interesting. I didn't think about that, but they are they do look very similar, don't they? I uh, am a Pocky fiend. I try to avoid buying it, to be honest with you, because whenever I buy one of the smaller boxes of Pocky, I will literally eat all of it in one sitting. Uh, <laughs> it's very hard to stop once you start. I can't say that I'm huge into it. I don't have. I don't have. I don't have a problem with it. I. I. You know what? I had it back when I was in much younger in high school, and I believe I had a green tea flavor. It didn't really oh. didn't really do it for me, so I haven't really explored it too much. I mean, there you the- can't go wrong with the regular degular chocolate. Strawberry is good as well, but green tea is definitely one of the more advanced flavors. you got to be an experienced Pocky eater to dive into that side. Um, still very good, though. 
Yeah, I think I ran before I was able to crawl with that one. And we have another one here from Yoshi. Uh, Dear Will and Lucas, I hope you are well. Here in California, we had open house night in elementary school. We talked about this last episode, typically in the spring. Parents were invited to see the projects we'd work on throughout the year, and usually there was a lot of preparation or even a big project leading up. No one had to dress up, though. I teach high school now, and we don't do anything like that. Some clubs do, but it's not a school-wide event. But we do back-to-school night, which sounds like curriculum night. So, okay, I, I, I guess that, that would be the closest equivalent, at least for somebody living in the, uh, the, on the West Coast. I wonder what part of California Yoshi's from. We're getting uh, an education on the United States through these emails on this podcast. I love hearing about all the different states and stuff. You're right about that, and my, and my geography is terrible. Like, uh, um, what was I doing recently? So I, uh, um, I, ha- I have a new – I have a – second job now where like I kind of do these interviews with companies and write articles about them. And, uh, they had a series of, um, what what was it? So they had a, they have a series of companies on the Northern side of the United States. And I was asking my, my wife, I was like, uh, so, Hey, uh, are these state, would you call these States in the North? And she's like, no, that's the Midwest. And I'm like, that's the Midwest. I've only heard people talk about the Midwest before. I've only heard the Midwest referenced in early 2000s emo music. I actually never knew where it was. <laughs> Yoshi also says, uh, I just want to say that I've had a lot of stress and anxiety in the last few months, and listening to you talk about Arthur always makes me feel calmer. Thank you a million for that. Yoshi, it is our pleasure, and I can imagine with the new school year starting, there's a lot of stress that comes along with that, in particular if you're a teacher. Thank you very much for listening. Also, I can't believe that we have a uh, we can count an educator among our listeners. That's awesome. So, uh, thank you for listening. P.S. Do you remember how in Arthur's cousin catastrophe, the erudite uncle, good use of the word erudite, was writing a novel about a man on the run from a dreaded enemy? Sounds like the plot of the episode. No, I love those meta moments. So, I guess that would have been the cousin last catastrophe. Uh, the, the la- right uh, the one where Buster. Uh, steals the cyber toy. Little oh, bit of, little bit, little bit of lay Miz in there, perhaps. <laughs> That's right. We, uh, 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 oh God, what's what's Russell Crowe's? And I hate that I'm calling him Russell Crowe because obviously it's the and I'm play. Javert. <laughs> okay, Javert. Thank you. Thank you. Now prisoner two four six zero one. That's a pretty good impression of Russell Crowe's performance in that it's, movie. It is because. <laughs> I remember I saw that movie in theaters and I was like, wow, Russell Crowe, that like that singing was so good. And then later I was like, well, it's because I can sing it and that's because it's not very good. <laughs> so I was like, I actually, oh, I actually really like that movie. But uh, yeah, Russell Crowe's vocal performance might be one of its weakest elements. It's uh, you know, you know what? It's fun. Like it's it it, is kind, fun. kind of in spite of itself. It's it's very long, so it's you know, it's kind mm. of a investment of time. What it's I would definitely rec- front loaded. All the stuff I like in that movie is like in the first half. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, I would recommend if you haven't seen it yet, watch the honest trailer for uh, Le- for Les Mis. It's really funny. All right. Well, thank you for all of the emails and the Tumblr asks. That was awesome. And, of course, that's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com and uh, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Okay, let's get into the episode. Uh, thankfully, <laughs> I thankfully uh, I did have time to uh, do up some notes on this. It is It's a No-Brainer. And I figured 
this was what it was just based on the title alone. We start off, they're uh, drawing straws in Mr. Ratburn's class. Based and- on the title, I had the Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper and DJ Khaled song stuck in my head this entire time. Um, if you haven't heard it before, well, they just kind of say no-brainer a bunch. Uh, oh. And so that was sort of my soundtrack to this episode. Okay, I thought that was maybe I'm the one. But I but but it's you're right. They did they did do another one. Very similar. It's basically replace the word "I'm the one" with no brainer, and take little Wayne out of there. I assume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, they're drawing straws for something. Everybody's really nervous, and Arthur says, "Have you ever faced certain doom?" So there's this whole quite... sequence is really ominous. Like, uh, even though like the music doesn't really match how ominous the situation is, like everybody's looking so nervous, the tension really ratchets up as there's only a few more straws left. We're sort of in medias res, so we don't know what they're drawing straws for. And then, of course, Arthur makes the comment about certain doom. You're like, what is going on here? And then we finally get to Arthur and Buster. Everybody's drawing the longer straw. And Buster draws the, str- the short straw, which means that he's going to have to compete against Brain in the third grade mathathon. There's a great so, line from Mr. Rapper, and as he's uh, bringing the straws around the room, where he's like, uh, You know, we wouldn't have to do this if one of you volunteered, which just ratchets up the tension that much more. Like, what is what is this? It's not a bad lead-up, and uh, Buster sells it really well. He just kind of starts screaming and faints. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is a this is a brain-heavy episode. In fact, we start off at what is the practice for the third-grade mathathon. It's brain versus Buster. Uh, I, I got to say, we get some really quality Buster lines in this episode, a lot of them. Uh, Buster has a joke book with him at, like, a podium in the school gym, and he's just like, it's, it's like, maybe I can tell some jokes. If I can make the crowd laugh, maybe it won't matter that I won't know anything. <laughs> Which is actually a secret to public speaking, ladies and gentlemen. There's also a moment where uh, uh, Buster's sort of urging Brain to get a question wrong on purpose. Uh, and he goes, you don't know what it's like to be us. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course, because nobody's as smart as Brain. I, yeah, I wrote that one down, too. It's really good. Um so they start off with uh, just kind of a um, not a uh, yeah it's uh, define define hypotenuse and uh, Buster kind of makes a joke of it hypotenuse, which of course is uh, slam dunk two points for a uh, for a third grade for a third grades for blah, for a third graders uh, humor level. Um, Brain tries to answer it, and this is where I remembered the other part of this episode that you are most likely to remember. This is the episode with the brains, like the actual, the the anthropomorphic brains. I didn't remember what this episode was until I saw the the brains, for lack of a better term. Um, Do they ever come back? Because I at first I thought that was like the crux of this episode was all the looking at the brains, but it turns out it really only bookends it. Um, and I don't know if this was just my childhood brain or what, but uh, I had assumed that there's a lot more brain stuff. So do you know if the, they ever come back at all? I have no idea. If they do, uh, it's in an episode I've never seen. So hmm. uh, you got me. But it, it's, it's immediately striking because it goes in t- it, it, we go inside Brain's head, and what it is is that it's a um, – it's his brain. It's colored gray, which is accurate. Uh, I believe brains are actually colored mo- more gray than pink. Um, and it's like work. It's basically like working controls. It's like if you've seen Inside Out, 
It's, it's like a lot Inside like Out meets uh, Being John Malkovich. Yeah, a little bit. And so the uh, the brain, and as we find out, everybody else's brain uh, talks with um, the person's voice, but just higher pitched. So the so the brain's like working the controls and is going about this answer. Is just like, ah, oh, we got this. It's and then gives the answer that it thinks is right, and then we hear, I'm sorry, Alan, but that's wrong. And then the brain starts freak. Sorry, I really have to distinguish here. Alan's brain. Because we talk, because he refers to himself as Alan in this episode, Alan's brain starts like freaking out. Um, it's like looking at books on a shelf. It's like, wait, how is that? And essentially, like I, and this isn't, this is literally what's being represented on screen. Alan has a mental breakdown over this question, over getting it wrong. David Foster Wallace once said, "If you worship your intelligence, you will always feel stupid." And that's what Braid does here. He's so wrapped up in the fact that he got an answer wrong, his brain essentially shuts down, and he's unable to answer a question that he knows the answer to, which is, what is it? It's how many sides are on an octagon? Yeah. And uh, Buster's able to answer it because he watched a Bionic Bunny episode with an octopus the other night, and he was able to put two and two together. Um, Another thing, another pop culture thing this reminds me of, this is so stupid, but um, have you ever heard the Lil Dicky song? Where he starts rapping from the perspective of his brain. No, I haven't. The brains from that video also kind of look like the brains in this Arthur episode. Where it, now these ones are pink, but it's like a little a little brain that's a little too detailed to be cute. Yeah, uh, uh, hopping around and rapping. Um, yeah, these are kind of more meant to be cutesy. What'd you make of this design? I mean, they're they're very like they they're kind of made to look human-ish. Like they have legs and feet. Uh, and, but they're all kind of wrinkly giant sacks with faces of the person that they inhabit. Yeah, they kind of have the proportions of like a California raisin. A little bit, yeah. That's not a bad comparison. Um, I thought it was. I, I thought it was kind of a uh, kind of a fun way to do it. Although there is a shot where um, basically Bra- Brain is having this breakdown and he can't think of an answer to a question and he thinks that everybody in the room is laughing at him because he's so unintelligent. And then we get an image of the the faces of everybody in the crowd, so the main Arthur characters. The faces go away, and we just see their brains laughing. It's weird. Yeah, it, it brings all a whole sort of things into question. I also love the like visual metaphors of like when you can't remember something, the brain is like looking through all these physical encyclopedias in his like command center. Um, and when he has to look out at the crowd, like you said, he's like using binoculars to like peer out of brain's eyes. I've always gotten a kick out of that kind of like that inside out stuff that, that, uh, uh, John Malkovich kind of a, a physical representation of the machinations of the human mind. I feel like if this were made, um, a couple of years later, we would get a lot of those like minority report style things of like dragging things around by your hands, (laughs) enlarging them, that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, so Buster a- ends up doing better than Brain on these math questions uh, based on, like, because of, like, contextual information, like you said, with, like, I'm glad I watched the attack of the mutant octopus people or whatever it was. And then he gets a word problem right because it's focused on ice cream and Brain is still uh, befuddled that he can't get any of these. Like he Also, uh, Brain's brain talks. Um, it's just Brain's voice, but they pitch it up like a chipmunk or something. Yeah. Um, but it makes, like, there's a part where the Brain, like, screams, and it's pretty funny. Because it's just, like, this, like, primal kid scream where he's like, ah! But it's, like, pitched up. Uh, I got a kick out of it. Yeah, I think I, I think I know what you mean. 
So Buster's on a roll. Brain is shorting out, and then we just cut to the outside of the school as Buster busts the door open and goes, I beat Brain! And he follows it up with a great line, I always knew TV and ice cream were good for you. Which is funny that's coming out because, you know, that's that study is making the rounds of like, oh, eating junk food can cause depression and kill you and all this kind of stuff. It's like, no way. TV and ice cream are good for you. This leads into my favorite. This is the Lucas Mancini moment of the week. This is my favorite moment from either of these episodes. And I got just got to say, we, we talk about it all the time here on Elwood City Limits. I know exactly what you're, but, what you're talking about, but go on. Can I just say, we're still in agreement here. Five seasons in, Biggie is without a doubt the best character on this show. 100%. 100%. Like, every little moment Biggie gets, like, full Biggie episodes are great. But more so than any other character, Biggie can do a lot with a little. Like, you give him one line, one moment, and it's like, it's just like, it leaves you thinking about Biggie. And like, why would he say this? Like, what what is going on here? So, Braid is defeated. Buster's sort of like, uh, uh, he's, you know, taking a victory lap. He's enjoying his win, his victory. And Biggie uh, sets Brain aside. He walks up to him very formally, shakes his head, and says, I just want to say, I really respected your ignorance. And then walks <laughs> away. <laughs> it's such a good line. Um, it's like every everybody else is kind of making, not making fun of him, like Francine and Muffy are like knocking on his head, asking if Brain is there. Uh, Arthur's trying to comfort him, and, and Biggie comes up with that line. It's so great. You're right. Yeah, Binky is still the MVP of the show and has yet to be unseated. It's uh, a runaway case. Um, so Brain is really down in the dumps, of course, uh, because this is his, this is his whole identity is knowing things. This is the real. This is the first time in the show it's really been shaken like this to this degree. Um, and he goes home. This this I like. So Brain is at the dinner table with his parents, and. He, they ask him how his day was, and he says, chimerical. And I love the image of Brain's parents just having this, like one of those uh, like huge dictionary lexicons on hand that they just keep open. And his dad just like thumbs through, like, what made it uh, absurd or unusual, son? It's like a That's- ridiculous concept you'd see in like a Coen Brothers movie or like a Charlie Kaufman movie of like, Oh, they keep this giant dictionary on hand on a podium next to the dinner table just in case their son says something that they don't know. And he immediately turns to it and flips through to figure out what... Uh, what is it again? Chimerical? Yes. Uh, chimerical memes. Yeah, it means. Um, I also like love the imagery of this. Um, I got. Uh, I wrote down here at this point... Uh, I, I, I got to kind of uh, walk something back that I said, I think maybe in the first episode of season five here... Uh, Lucas, you weren't as taken with Brain's new voice uh, as I was. I, I, I said that I, I kind of liked it. Uh, I don't know. Like it's especially in this episode, which is a, uh, a spotlight for Brain. I, 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 I kind of he- hear what you're talking about. His, his voice in this episode is a lot more monotonous, and there's not a lot of life to it. What's also interesting is that. I don't know. I just don't think it fits the character. He sounds younger than all the other kids. Like, he sounds like the youngest kid by far. Um, And I'm not sure if that's, like, a great fit for the character, as the character is, you know, when you think of brain, you think of intellect. You think of someone who's well-spoken, someone who's well-read. 
And maybe they're doing that on purpose, but it's weird to hear this voice that sounds like quite a bit younger than Arthur and the rest of the gang. Like Francine, if when you hear Francine and Brain talk to each other, it sounds like someone from two grades under talking to someone from two grades up. So I'm not sure. Yeah, and especially considering that near the end of the original voice actors run, like the voice was dropping. So he did sound a bit older, and now we're kind of going the other way. In fact, we're probably going to see that next season when we get a new voice actor for Arthur. A part of me, I, I think this is because Arthur's much a, very much a product of its time and that they, they wanted to do the sort of Simpsons thing where at the end of the week, everything goes back to normal and, and Arthur's going to be in third grade for the rest of his life. But a part of me wishes we lived in like some sort of alternate reality where uh, all the characters just got older as we got older. I feel like ugh, they wouldn't have done that because the audience for the show would have to change as the characters got older. Uh, but I just think it's such a rich mind to be tapped. I, I love the idea of it. We actually get like a, an imagination sequence here where Brain is thinking about like how catastrophic this is. He's really thinking about it a lot. Um, and it's like he's on a hospital bed and Ratburn like, uh, you know, does the time of death thing, except it's except it's the time when Brain is declared mentally average. He's no longer <laughs> exceptional. We're really getting to like the root of like Arthur style Com mental complexes here. I mean, we. T I feel like I bring up Arthur's anxiety a lot. This is an insecurity of brains that is really deep-seated. This is something that's going to uh, probably blossom into his adulthood, just this insecurity about his intelligence. And that's a great David Foster Wallace quote that you brought up there. I think it illustrates it completely. Good pull. Well, well and it, it, the thing is, you would think I would hate this, right? Because... In our discussions before about my thoughts on the brain character, I dislike him the most when he's a caricature, when he, he reminds me of Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, and he's just kind of like, sounds like a know-it-all. Yeah. Um, so you'd think like, the, like to brain, the idea of being like everyone else is so horrifying. You'd think I'd find that pretentious or like unlikable, but this is done in a really nuanced way where it's almost the show commenting on like, I don't think the show wants you to empathize with brain here. I think the show wants you to know that like, Brain has to learn the lesson that he has to learn the lesson that's in that David Foster Wallace quote, which is that you can't obsess over being smarter than anyone else because eventually it'll drive you crazy because no one's smarter than everyone else. Everyone's smart in a different way. And, and that's the lesson that brain has to learn. Um, and so I think because the show uh, is sort of showing this like brain struggling with this isn't necessarily something I'm supposed to empathize with. Like, Oh, it's so awful for brain to be like everyone else. It's saying, no, like brain needs to learn. This is the lesson he needs to learn. Um, I think this is kind of really well done. You know, I, I, I didn't think, I didn't think about it that hard, but it, it, they do approach it in a, in a bit of a different way that I did appreciate it, which you got, which you got into a lot there. Um, yeah, it's the kind of thing where, um, Brain is, and like you said, you're not really supposed to relate to him, but I feel like this is something that a lot of kids who are um, maybe maybe noted as like gifted kids, probably it's probably scratching at a lot of the pressure that those kids can put on themselves. And mm. it's not it's not a message that's going to be for everybody, but it's uh, it's something that will resonate with the audience it resonates with. And for the rest of us, um, you can at least kind of understand where it's coming from. And it, give, it gives the character a bit of much needed depth, I think, rather than have him become, like you said, kind of a stereotype. 
so Brain is uh, Brain is sick for the first time in like ever the next day, and Buster is asked to represent the uh, the wrist rappers class in the like intra class math competition, whatever it is. The B plot of this episode, all the stuff with Buster letting this go to his head and thinking he's like this great intelligent person. Uh, is also very funny. Like, the look of pride on Buster's face as Mr. Rapper's announcing, even though he was so scared to go against Brain in the Mathathon the other day, now he's, like, all proud that he's going to be representing the school. And uh, we see Buster at his home. He's, like, wa- watching uh, uh, the alien with 999 eyes and about to eat a banana split. And then Brain drops off all of his, like, quote-unquote brain stuff to Buster's house because he declares he doesn't need them anymore. And and as Francine and Arthur go to visit Brain, make sure he's okay, this is where we learn that Brain has decided he's going to try and make a go in comedy. Because now, now that Buster is the new Brain, essentially he's going to try and be the new Buster. Brain says some stuff here that really had me laughing. Um, for one, he describes stand-up comedy as a more practical career choice. which is really, really funny to me. Um, He goes, I I decided to switch to a more practical career, like stand-up comedy. And then he also follows that up by saying, it doesn't require high intelligence. Oh, boy. Which Which is like, Brain's just coming for the birds. Hey, all you uh, road comedians, Brain's coming for you. Which Buster takes great exception to, and I agree with him. That's certainly not true. Uh, but I guess, and I may, maybe that was kind of a stereotype back then and definitely a child's viewing of it. Uh, this is all, this is also, we're at the part of the episode where, uh, Brain is insistent that everybody call him Alan because of course he doesn't feel like a brain anymore. And Buster has to constantly correct Arthur and Francine when they call him Brain. He just goes, it's Alan. Um, we also get a look into Brain's uh incredible prop <laughs> comedy so he straight up is like gallaghering with a giant mallet when he's like i squished it at him um what else does he do he's like straight up sub carrot top tier here just like um and, when and he's what's... like face the facts and he holds up a fax message that actually like, got me a little bit he's like what's the deal with substitute teachers and he's got another line about like uh it, it it's like it, it's a very niche science joke, like about some some type of science author or something. And I, I I gotta say, I bet Brains Act would probably have a very small but devoted fan base today. Like I bet there is an audience for these jokes, aside from the fact that they're really terrible. Well, I did think that was a fun detail. Is that all of Drake, even though Brains trying to separate himself from his academic knowledge. Uh, all of his jokes are still kind of rooted in stuff he used to know about, which is really realistic. He wouldn't one day be able to, like, turn into Buster. Um, so as much as he's trying to, uh, sort of distance himself from his old life, uh, all of the punchlines are still kind of science-based, which is fun. Uh, there, there is a point after Brain says, I just smashed an atom, and Francine covers her ears and screams, Stop him! <laughs> Um, That's what I would do if I saw Gallagher performing. So, <laughs> I I empathize with Francine here. Uh, so yeah, Brain is committing to essentially like, oh no, it's, it's, sorry, Francine says that uh, he's got like a baby doll and like a jug, and he's like, no use crying over spilt milk. It's like barely a joke, and Francine's just had it. Um, Buster at this point has these like real uh, bubbles from Trailer Park Boys uh, Coke bottle glasses that he's wearing. 
because he's essentially the new brain, or at least thinks he is. And Francine asks him, you know, she just picks up a random math book and is like, okay, genius, if you're the real brain, you can answer this. Uh, here's a question in case anybody at home wants to figure this out. If X equals pi times Y cubed and Y equals the square root of 78, how would you determine the value of X? To which Buster says, that's easy. I just asked the brain. And then it takes him a second. He's like, oh, I see what you mean. And then they realize that, oh, no, Buster's in the mathathon, and they got to get brain back in there. They, they essentially have to make right what's been wronged. So they get a, a couple of ideas here. One of them is that they write a bunch of uh, math equations on slips of paper, and they're going to uh, – they're going to give them to brains subtly because, as Buster says, when I was a brain, I found numbers fascinating. <laughs> we see we see brain walking down the street, and this at this point he's in like he's actually dressed as a clown. He's got like the, yeah, I I I'm very much into the idea that like brains like sort of his glow up as now a stand up comedian is he's going to dress like a clown twenty four seven with these giant pants that are like eight sizes too big but are starched. So that they they sort of surround his body, um, and he's just like walking in public like this clown with all of his props with him. He's got like a wig and a red nose and the clown shoes and everything, and he's got and he's just got a box that says props. So the kids all like they they're on the other side of the street as he's walking, and they all just uh, blow the strips of paper over him. They got some mighty strong breath. This is yeah. This is quite the elaborate plan. Um, and then we get the most bizarre moment of the episode, where Brain sees a pro- he sees a problem. I think it's uh, it's A B plus two equals uh, I I missed it, but yeah, that's uh, like that's that. unimportant because you think he's gonna go and solve it. He goes, "Does anybody have a pen? I need a pen." And he grabs a pen out of his prop uh, box, and you're like, "Oh, he's gonna solve the problem. He can't help himself." And then he draws a picture of a noose. On a piece of paper, and he says newspaper, and then he keeps walking, and like I get, like because it's like it's like newspaper, but he drew a noose and he said newspaper. When inspiration calls, you gotta accept the charges, man. It's just kind of a weird thing to be in an Arthur episode. <laughs> it's a little out there for sure. Um, they have another plan where they're going to, uh, Brain actually gets a gig with it for his act, which Buster is very This is such a great by. detail that, like, as much as Buster, like, likes to call himself a professional comedian, he, like, never booked himself a gig ever, and Brain gets one within a day. But also, but also note that it's at Brain's mom's ice cream shop, so of, like, it's just, it's just nepotism at its finest. <laughs> So, which, which I also, which I also thought was a funny detail, but yeah, Buster's like, Hey, I never got booked for anything. And it's like, well, you gotta, you gotta go out there, Buster. You gotta make those towns. But he's even got posters and everything. The comedy stylings of Alan. It just doesn't seem like Buster's bag. He'd ra- it's at this point. I feel like he'd rather have the gigs come to him based on reputation alone. What they do is they dress up DW in a trench coat and like Groucho Marx glasses and uh, give her like a word problem to recite, and oh, like only Brain can solve it. Uh, so she goes in there, and then Brain sees through this immediately and sees them outside. Uh, yeah, she asks, she's like, "If a train's leaving Miami 
at this many kilometers an hour and there's another train leaving denver and they're at and like her she keeps saying it to nobody as brains walking yeah, away yeah. like you can still hear dw telling the math problem that she's memorized yeah, I wrote that down. That's terrific. He's like, this is who I am now. It's like, I'm not a brain anymore. But then a math book falls out of his giant pants. And they're like, hey, you've been sneaking math equations. And then, of course, brain reveals that, no, he can't leave the brain part of himself behind. He misses it. And so and so they convince him to give up his ways. And we get the buster says, thanks, Alan. And Francine and Arthur just go, it's brain. And so Brain is Brain again, and he is part of... Uh, Buster substitutes himself uh, in the interclass mathathon. And the ending of the episode is Brain answering the first question at the mathathon where it's defined pi. Uh, Principal Haney is hosting it. And his brain is, like, doing uh, uh, bench presses. And he's just like, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Brain's a little nervous, but he manages to, he manages to do it. And then the end of the the actual end of the episode is this weird one where um, brain Alan's brain calls Buster's brain, and is it or is it Arthur's brain? No, it's Buster's. No, no, no. Like, is it Arthur's brain calling Buster's brain? No, it's it. No, it is it's, definitely. Oh, at, see, I I misunderstood because now now that I'm looking at it, it makes a lot more sense. Because yeah. Buster's brain does like I knew I I definitely recognized Buster's brain as he's like watch Buster's brain. Uh, uh, because all the brains have basically their own interior decorating within the person's head. Yeah. Um. And Buster's brain, like his little office, looks a lot like we we me and you talk a lot about what Buster would be like in college. Um. And it's basically a good picture of Buster's future college dorm room. Yeah, he's watching it. He's watching a TV uh, with like a bunch of colors on it. He's just like sitting in an armchair and like eating. He's got chocolate stains on his face. It's like it's Buster. Like pizza boxes on the floor. It's Buster to a T, but also like he gets a phone call. And again, this is weird. Like someone's brain talking to another brain. So it's like, are they mentally communicating? What's happening here? And uh, but but Buster's brain is also very um, on edge, I guess, because it's like. Alan's brain says, thanks, thanks, Bunny, we did it. And then Buster's brain is like, who is this? Where'd you get this number? Operator? Operator! And he's just very grumpy for some reason, so not at all like Buster. Anyway, strange strange end to an episode with some strange parts in it. Um, did you did you watch the other video I sent you? Oh, did I ever? Okay, great. And okay, so returning for a from for the first time in a long time. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. So wait a minute. Is this the a now a word from us kids from this episode? No, it's not. Okay. I, well, I, I was going to say because it has nothing to do with either episode. No, I, I, I sent you this because I've been wanting to talk about it for a long time. And I knew we, we would get to it eventually. But I don't remember what episode it's attached to. So at one point I was just like, okay, we, we just got to do this already. Because oh, the and video- I'm glad we are. The videos we're watching don't have the and now a word from us kids uh, section in them anymore. And, you know, I think I think we got pretty much the mileage that we could out of it from the first two seasons of the show. But I always think about this one and we had to come back to it. It's the story of CB and J.E. amateur rappers. Amateur. These guys are certified pros. Uh, for re- let me for tell you something. Let me tell you something. I might know a thing or two about the rap game. 
And 99% of it is just how you carry yourself and the swagger you have, okay? It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter about your technical skill, you know, what kind of producers you bring in. If you got swag, if you're able to uh, uh, carry yourself well on camera, that's 99% of it, baby. And CB and JE, they got the hand motions going. They're rapping to the camera. They're walking and talking at the same time. Uh, These guys are it, man. There's a bright future ahead for these two. I'll make sure to share this on our social media, but uh, what it is, it's these two these two young kids who uh, are talking about what a rhyme is, and they're also, they identify themselves as rappers, and they have quite a few lines that they rap, so they're explaining, uh, you know, how a rhyme works. Uh, in, fa- in fact, they started off with, what a rhyme is, uh, 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 what a rhyme is, uh, 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 uh. It's like, word, you're a kid. Kid, you're a word. It's not a kid from us words. It's a word from us kids. Oh, my gosh, the fire. Drop a bomb. Drop a bomb. Exclusive. Yeah, so, and I mean, there's not, a, there's not like, a, uh, a huge storyline to this or anything, but it's just I was very impressed by uh, their rhyming abilities. Um, CB I has would this- pay good money to see the behind-the-scenes on this shoot because usually for a word from us kids – they either are going to a classroom and working with the classroom, and it's pretty easy to figure out what those kind of shoots were like. Like, okay, kids, we're going to film you doing this. Or sometimes they'll, like, visit, like, a factory or, or some sort of place of business, or some kid will talk about their hobby. But this is just, like, two kids walking around a park, and they're rapping to the camera. And I can only imagine, like, how long this day was, like, what footage they cut from this. Uh, uh, my mind is just a flurry with with all the possibilities. And uh, CB actually drops this awesome line. Uh, you what? What is it? You think you think an athlete's just a person with some fast feet? You think a rapper's just a person with some fast beats? Oh my goodness! That was a, that that was genuinely a good one. Uh, so yeah, I, this is just one that stuck in my mind for a long time. Here's a question for you though: Do you think when they're not on camera, do you think those kids are swearing in their raps? Oh my god! You know what? I don't think so. Just CB and JE, they seem very... They remind me of one Matty B raps. Like, they seem very genuine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, but, so, another detail about this. So, they're rapping all their raps a cappella, and yeah. the beat has been added in post. So, imagine how difficult this was to edit for whoever edited this. Because I guarantee you they weren't, like, playing a beat for reference on site during the shoot. So no. someone would have had to found some license-free beat that kind of fit with this acapella rap that these kids were spitting. Uh, which I'm sure, like, that seems very difficult to me. <laughs> they probably composed it themselves is what, is what I would think. Oh, like the, the Arthur crew? Interesting. But still, to compose, to compose a beat for a rap that already exists is pretty difficult. It usually goes in the other direction. Yeah, that's that's you're you're right all the same. Especially uh, to some kids who may or may not be keeping to time or not. Yeah. So, yeah, this uh, this this is a very memorable and now word from his kids I wanted to make sure that we talked about it. Uh and in my head, this is the this is the origin story for Run the Jewels. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Also, I will say this, um my YouTube autoplay is on and the next video that it played after watching that a word from us kids is I'm not an egghead. You don't even know me. And it's just a clip from that one word from us kids that we talk about where they make the masks, where they're talking about why you're not allowed to call people bad names. Uh, and it's just the part where the kid goes, I'm not an egghead. You don't know me. 
And those boys grew up to be LP and Killer Mike. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the second half of our Arthur episode. With that, with that out of the way, it's the sure thing. Uh, the theme of the cold open here is that Arthur and Binky are prospectors mining for gold. Yeah, and we haven't seen panning for gold since season one, episode two. Whoa, good memory. Uh, you're talking about the fossil one, right? That's right. That's right. This is immediately reminded me of. Uh, you know, that episode, it's one of the first episodes of Elwood City Limits. It holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, and so I immediately thought of that. when we I was like, oh, no, the writers were running out of ideas. It's kind of different, though. They're looking for gold, not fossils. But they're I, still panning in the river. I remember that episode being, like, one of the first really big laughs I had on the show because of when you said dino crime. <laughs> Man, that really got me. That's a good, It's a great episode, dino crime. Go back and listen to it. Uh, yeah, so and Arthur Arthur's talking about... It's fun to look forward to things, but it's even better having them turn out better than you expected. A couple of the examples we get are Arthur and Brain trying to make chocolate banana splits for, like, a school function. But the ice cream melts, so instead they make chocolate banana shakes, which actually sounds pretty good. We get... Oh, my God, this was so cute. Um, Arthur's like, the time that uh, Buster thought he wouldn't see his dad uh, during the holidays. And so we see... Young Buster, he's got to be like maybe three years old or something, and Bitsy. And oh no, Buster... this is the, uh, so. So Arthur introduces this as uh, Buster's best Christmas ever. Oh, his best Christmas ever, Buster, and and then we see also Santa Claus, who is also a uh, is also a bunny. He gets like a an airplane or something. He gets a toy, and he's like, "Wow, thanks, Santa." And then Santa takes off his beard and his hat, and he just goes, "Daddy, you made it home for Christmas." And gives him a hug, and I'm getting a little misty just talking about it right now. It's really cute. Then we see uh, Pal having more fun playing with a paper bag than what was whatever toy was inside of it. Classic, classic animal stuff. Binky finds a nugget of gold in the stream, but he's more excited about finding a quarter. A quarter from like what is it? Eighteen? It's an old quarter. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an old time quarter. So the actual episode starts with uh, Dad is making a delicious looking roast in the kitchen. Uh, made me made me hungry just watching it. And then we get we get a, a special not not just the return of a word from us kids here in this Elwood City Limits episode. It's a return of Sharky, baby. Yeah, Sharky's back, and it, and it seems like summer has returned to Elwood City. I feel like it's been a while since the episodes have been taking place during the summertime, but everybody's got their uh, their C button right uh, summer outfits. DW's wearing a sundress. Arthur's rocking the swim shorts, little blue T-shirt. Yeah, very cash look. Arthur and DW are both hyped up about this commercial that's playing for um, uh, Aqualand. So a uh, a new uh, water-themed theme park. And, new Jethro uh, Tull-themed theme park. <laughs> not, not, not Aqualung, Aqualand. <laughs> but hey, close. Aqualand. Hey, Aqualand. Uh, <laughs> um. So they they demand that Dad come in and watch the uh, and watch the commercial because of course this is before being able to pause live TV or being able to look up a commercial on YouTube. You had to you had to hope and pray that the commercial was you wanted was coming on right then and there because it's the only time you're going to see it in like maybe a two hour block. Uh, this is another thing that uh, I I don't think you'd see in kids shows these days. We talked about this before with the episode where uh, I think Brain goes to the aquarium to try and scare himself straight. 
when it comes to being in the water. And I think there's another episode where DW goes to the aquarium. It might be the same episode, but regardless, we touched briefly on how the conversation surrounding SeaWorld and sort of uh, 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 aquatic theme parks has changed over the years. Uh, I don't hear kids talking about them that often these days. Uh, And usually if I hear about SeaWorld, it's very negative news. Yeah. Uh, Just funny that at the time, this was probably at their peak where everybody was like, yeah, Shamu, like, I feel good about these kind of water parks. Yeah. The only water parks that I can think of are the ones attached to Disney, and those are not not really the first ones you hear about, but they're still... A lot of fun. But yeah, they de- they definitely don't seem to be as in vogue as maybe they used to be. There's a great YouTube uh, channel called Defunct Land, and they talk about a couple of uh, water-related parks on there. You should check it out. They've got a lot of great videos. They're both really hyped up about Aqualand, my favorite. So they have, you know, different things like the, uh, the Polar Coaster and all this kind of, like, water-themed attractions. My favorite is the Great White Sharkade. That would be that. It, maybe maybe when we get the ability to change our PSN names, I'll change mine to Sharkade. So you know, Dad, Dad rightly is like, it just looks like another theme park. And DW is like, no, it's Aqualand. And Dad's like, I know, I know, it's Aqualand, but I've got a better place in Aqualand that I'll show you this weekend. Arthur mentions this to his friends the next day. They're playing at the pool, and we see Brain's not uh, deathly afraid of water anymore. He's able to go hip deep. And uh, play uh, play with a beach ball, which is what they're doing. So nice little bit of continuity there. Well, we got two things. So not only is Brain uh, not afraid of water anymore, apparently Buster is reading at a much higher reading level uh, because he read 20,000 Leagues Under the Street. It, was, it wasn't too long ago that Buster was struggling to read The Ocean is Blue, The Sky is Blue. Uh, now, now, he could he could have seen the Disney movie for all we know. That's true. That's a good point, good point, good point. But he does say in the in in uh he does mention Vern by name. So Yeah, so could be. And I mean he and and he also mentioned the War of the Worlds by H. G. Wells in the last Halloween episode. So you you never know. I like uh, to think because wasn't the moral of that episode where Arthur Str- uh brain uh, excuse me, oh my goodness, I'm short circuiting here. Um in the episode where Buster's struggling to read, the whole moral of the episode was he only struggles to read it if he's not interested in it, because he could read Robin Hood. Um, so hopefully maybe he likes War of the Worlds and he likes 20,000 Leagues. I like to think that, that Buster sort of tackled some of this higher level reading. You'd like to think so. They're, they're kind of wondering like, what could be better than Aqualand? And then Arthur gets an idea that maybe it's this place called Marine World, which is something that, uh, his dad showed him in old, like, film reels, uh, that used to be in Elwood City near the, near the ocean, and it's just kind of like this old-timey, you know, they got bumper cars, Ferris mm. wheel, all that kind of stuff. Just kind of a amusement park by the by the water. It but reminds then- me of those, like, really sketchy, uh, uh, like, you saw a lot of these in the uh, New York State area in New Jersey, like, rural New Jersey, like, Action Park. And all these, like, infamously dangerous, super old, held-together-with-wood theme parks in that sort of, uh, uh, that New York State area. Yeah, Action Park in New Jersey. Again, Defunct Land, they have a great episode on Action Park. It's unbelievable, some of the stuff that happened there. I won't go into the whole thing. Uh, By the way, Marine World reminded me of Marine Land. Now, this is something, Lucas, I don't expect you to remember this or maybe maybe not even know it, but when I um, would watch our Fox affiliate, that was a commercial 
uh, as a kid. That was a commercial. Oh no, we get I, all the time. I've seen the Everyone Loves Marine Land. Yeah, there you go. As well. In Niagara Falls, Ontario, it's always a fun place to go. Seeing friends you missed, a great big kiss. Everyone loves Marine Land. See, that's that plays into what I was talking about. Um, you don't you don't hear people talking about Marine Land that much these days. Not at all, dude. I don't even know if it's open. Let's take a look. I now my my curiosity's gotten the better of me, but that's what I'm saying. I think I think as a culture, we're past aquatic theme parks not and i'm not talking about water parks here i'm specifically talking about ones where you go see the whales and stuff yeah all the uh, uh animal rights apparently marine land still exists oh, and wow. um their their slogan still is everyone loves marine land um well, they have an ugly looking website <laughs> i'll have to go check it out uh yeah so at this point arthur and his friends kind of let their imaginations run wild with what could be at marine world that's even better than aqualand so that's where you get like uh buster says like a twenty thousand leagues under the sea simulator kind of similar to the disney ride a little bit sue ellen's idea is a hawaiian island surfs up simulator which is basically just a really long pool that simulates uh ocean waves that you can surf on which i think is a really cool idea kind of reminds me of uh the wave pool which i haven't been to in a long time we have a here in um, Nova Scotia, and specifically in the Halifax area, we've got a place uh, called the Wave Pool in a section of town that's called Spryfield, and uh, that's uh, I don't know about you, Lucas, but quite a few childhood birthdays were spent at the Wave Pool because there are certain times when you can go into the big pool and it'll make these waves that'll kind of jostle you around a little bit. I don't know if I've ever been to the Wave Pool, to be honest. Ne- with you. Never. If I had. It was when I was very, very, like, extremely young. Uh, But, like, once I entered double digits, I most certainly have not been to the wave pool. My my wife went back there recently. I really want I really want to go back and see what it's like because that was like one of the coolest things in the world you could do when I was a kid is go to the wave pool. It was so exciting. Binky's idea is there there must be some kind of pirate ride, and his is just the idea of him going up to a deserted island with a bunch of pirates on it and then just getting treasure, which I kind of liked. It seems that they're all going to whatever this place is that Arthur's dad has in mind that is way better than Aqualand. And they're all going to take the catering van. I guess they can fit everybody in the catering van. And Binky comes up to Arthur and he's like, Arthur, I didn't bring my swim trunks. And uh, to which dad says, that's okay, Binky, you're fine. But my question is, why wouldn't you bring swim trunks to a theme park that you could potentially swim at. Well, I think he just forgot. Yeah, uh, I mean, but I also I also like this detail because uh, it's it's very realistic. I feel like whenever I've gone to the beach with like a group of friends, especially as kids, there was always one kid who just didn't have their swim trunks with them, and they pulled the exact same maneuver Binky pulls here, and that he hikes his jeans up. Binky's kind of dressed like a like a North End hipster here, as he's he's <laughs> uh, uh, rolled his jeans up just to his knees. Yeah, that's the move my dad does when he goes swimming in the ocean. 
Just like, ah, well, there you go. I was like, Dad, you have a swimsuit. I don't know. Dad ends up taking them to just the actual beach. And Arthur's like, but where is uh, Marine World? And he's like, oh, that closed down years ago. In fact, we're on the site where it used to be. And then everybody is like mad at Arthur because it's like, this is what you this is what you got us here for. But then uh, Dad Reed calls the place Ocean Zone where they're going. So that's the third aquatic theme park name. They must you know, have. It's kind of hard to keep track of them all. There must have, there must have been like a whiteboard or a chalkboard of like all of the names that they thought of that they could potentially use. Uh, so yeah, Ocean Zone is where they're gonna go. So they all split off into pairs to try yeah, and. It's at it's at this point where the episode uh, begins to follow the grand tradition of anime, in that it's essentially just an anime beach episode. Yeah, that's it. so. <laughs> If you're watching a mainstream anime show where for one episode the plot stops and everybody just kind of hangs out at the beach, uh, that's what this Arthur episode is. It's literally just an anime beach episode to the T of, like, people split up into groups of twos. Each of them has, like, their own little beach activity that they do. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like all those anime beach episodes. So the pairs are... Oh, and the anime police are coming to get me, too. They're coming down. So it's Arthur and Banky, Brain and Buster, and at first Sue Ellen and DW. Uh, Sue Ellen, actually, the uh, the the girl in this group for this episode, which I thought was good. Um, Arthur and Binky see like a uh, small rock island that's that's a little bit of a swim out, but Binky doesn't want to uh, get himself wet because, of course, he's just got his rolled up jeans on. Uh, Buster and Brain find a bunch of tide pools because, again, they're they're all kind of looking for what Ocean Zone could be. And, like, first they find a crab and, like, a, I don't know what the term is for a group of crabs, but then it leads into a bunch of tide pools and they find a bunch of different sea animals there. We do get Brain with a, she- a real Sheldon moment where it's like Buster's... Oh, yeah. See, this is, this is the... Uh, the last episode was the Brain I like. This episode, this moment was, like, the Brain I hate. Uh, and Buster says, a starfish, and Brain says, sea stars is the preferred term. I was like, preferred by who, Brain? Preferred by who? So, and and then, uh, Sue Ellen and DW, uh, are just, uh, DW kind of sees some shells that she wants to collect, and- A cast, a cast of crabs. C-A-S-T-E? Yes. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, yeah, a cast of crabs. Uh, and DW's leg gets snared up by some kelp. This is where I first learned what kelp was. It's a type of seaweed. I think it was either between this or some sort of SpongeBob joke that would taught me what kelp was. Oh yeah, for sure. But uh, the, the the joke here is that uh, DW starts yelling kelp as if it was help. Yeah, and she's like kelp, kelp. Uh, so DW then decides to stick with Dad. Dad gives uh, Sue Ellen a surfboard. So that she can go out and catch some waves. Dad also brought an inflatable beach chair, uh, which Arthur and Binky are going to try to use to get to the island. Uh, we get a little bit of a pratfall. Like Dad assumes that he like blew up the chair for himself, and he just sits down on the sand. Uh, there is I a forgot point- to uh, yeah. mention when uh, Brain and Buster are looking at the uh, the tide pools. Oh, actually, no. It's 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 right after they get the beach chair. Uh, they're looking at a lobster, as Brain points out, in its natural habitat. And Buster has this great, like, it's like almost stilted line where he goes, Wow, I wonder what other strange creatures lurk in these waters. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a little bit, wasn't it? I was surprised that they found a whole lobster. 
Like, I would have told Dad about that and just like, all right, great supper. Rolls tonight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, oh, my gosh. I know it's, like, still the morning. We're recording this episode uh, still in the morning, but we're getting closer to lunchtime. I would kill for a lobster roll right now. It's been so long since I've had one. It's no lobster roll, but I got some KD with my name on it. Ooh, I think I also have some KD. I think I might steal your idea. <laughs> some Kraft Mac and cheese for our American listeners. Yeah, and Sue Ellen is out surfing, and she thinks she sees a shark, but actually we get a repeat of a gag from the opening titles. It's Mr. Ratburn's nose. And it's like, no, Sue Ellen, it's just Mr. Ratburn. Remember to always swim with a buddy. It's like, I, I, was, I was actually really surprised that they would have reused that joke, because that's one we see literally every episode. Well, also just the fact that did Mr. Rapper just tag along? Was he already there? Like, I think he's just there on his own. <laughs> he just took a beach day, a solo beach day. Uh, and then we, we really need to get Mr. Rapper in like a significant other or a hobby or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The idea he's... that he's just—it's just—I—I I, I know he like like he likes doing his own thing. He's got his puppets. He—he's—he's he's got his cartoons, his classic '80s cartoons. But something about the idea of him just going to the beach by himself is a little sad to me. I don't know. I, I, he seems like the kind of person who's totally okay with being by himself. So, I mean, if it were like a, if it were like a Mr. Haney, like maybe. Man, why wasn't Mr. Haney here? That would have yeah. been great. Yeah, really. Why? He yeah. would have been like sitting in an inner tube, and then a big wave would splash over him, and he'd be like, "Aw." <laughs> That's exactly what would have happened. You're right. So then Sue Ellen thinks she sees a shark again, but it's actually dolphins. So we've got lobsters and dolphins on this beach. Where are we? We're, it's a real Galapagos yeah. of animal life. And that's uh, not even to get into the, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but this episode does beg, bring the animal hierarchy into question. But the less said about that, the better. Mm-hmm. I, I, we, we paid our lip service to it. We can, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can move on. Uh, DW's activity is that she's collecting a bunch of seashells, and one of them is actually uh, home to a hermit crab. This is going to sound kind of weird. I thought the hermit crab was kind of cute. No, hermit crabs are cute. They, they, they Regular drew... degular crabs are kind of cute. Like, I don't think lobsters are cute. I think lobsters are kind of creepy looking. Yeah. But like, a regular cat, a crab with their wide face, something about their eyes being so far apart, I'm like, they look silly. Yeah, the the hermit crab that they draw, he's got these big old eyes and uh, kind of seems to be able to understand DW to a point. She's like, I don't, it's just like, I don't want any, uh, you know, seashells that can crawl away on me or whatever. Arthur uses, is using the uh, inflatable chair to uh, get himself and Binky to the rocks, but Binky is uh, insisting that he be, uh, that he be uh, pushed there because he doesn't want to get wet, but then he ends up falling in. And then they both take the uh, chair over anyway. And then eventually, uh, this is the action of the episode, uh, they're both stuck over on the island because the tide comes in and the waves are too high. This reminds me, the one time I went swimming uh, this summer is uh, uh, my wife and I actually kind of did the same thing. We ended up like swimming. It was a good like 10-minute swim out to uh, an island of rocks. And it was this like really precarious thing where like we had to really be very careful around the rocks. Cause it was one of those, like they were wet enough that like one false move could like snap an ankle or something. And just like, man, if that happens, then we're in real trouble, but it all, it all turned out. Okay. So again, swimming with a buddy, it's, it's good advice, especially for this kind of thing. So then for this part of the episode, dad Reed becomes action. Dad, he, sp- he springs into action. He takes the surfboard uh, over to the island, and he not only saves Arthur and Binky, 
but then they ride a wave back to shore, which uh, I, I like. I don't, I don't know about the physics of that, but it looked pretty fun. And I was then, once saved from the water. I had a near near drowning experience. Oh my gosh! Uh, what happened? I, I was really young. I was like probably like eleven or twelve or something. And my family was vacationing in Mexico, and I got stuck in the undertow. A hotel employee had to save me. Oh my gosh! Was it scary? It was pretty scary because I was swimming as hard as I could and I was staying in the same spot. It wasn't like I was starting to go under or anything, but I was literally like trapped. So had that person not swam out and gotten me, I would have eventually tired and then it would have been a much more serious situation. But yeah, it was the the force of nature. The ocean is a powerful thing. You have to to respect it. Poseidon's wrath. (laughs) And this is essentially the end of the episode here where, you know, at at the end of the day, they've done a bunch of... uh, uh, surfboard rides and all this kind of stuff they, and it's been a good full day Mr. Ratburn even found like a bunch of mollusks that he's going to use for like an inordinate amount of uh, uh, of different assignments for the class so dad says how'd you like Ocean Zone and then Arthur's like I don't know we never found it and then it takes him a second it's like wait a minute this was the Ocean Zone all along the real Ocean Zone was the friends we made along the way oh you stole my joke Ah, you stole my joke. It had to, it had to be made though. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, the ocean, uh, the real ocean zone was, you know, it's right in your back door. You don't need. Can any- I just say, if this happened to me as a kid, this would make me bad. Like it- I would have built up this idea of this fake theme park in my head, where like, the, oh, there's a secret theme park. You just have to find it. And once I realized that I was just being t- tricked into learning a lesson, I think I'd be pretty disappointed. Yeah, this is a very kids show, and it—I it, mean, go figure. But it's—it's it's very uh, a, ut- a utopian outcome because it's like I think they would be a little bit more upset that there wasn't a real ocean zone. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, the wonders of nature, all in your backyard, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, again a very like educational program ending to the to everything. No sharkade in the ocean zone. No, and and it's all the worse for it. That's pretty much it. Uh, let's roll things back to uh, It's a No-Brainer. What'd you make of that one, Lucas? It's a No-Brainer is a fun episode. It's definitely my favorite brain episode ever. Uh, I think I've been pretty critical on brain episodes, except for the one where he's the villain and he's trying to get his revenge on Muffy. Uh, there hasn't been really an episode that's solely focused on brain that I enjoyed, just because sometimes that character gets into, like I said, uh, uh, Sheldon territory, where it kind of turns into an annoying caricature. Uh, but this episode allowed me to sort of understand Brain and his anxieties in a way that I don't think we've been able to up until this point. Um, and so I thought it was really creative, especially the use of the Brain sort of operating uh, from their control rooms. I loved that imagery. Also, a lot of really funny lines in this episode, most of them from Buster or uh, Binky's got his incredible moment as well. So not like an amazing blow away episode, but my favorite brain episode I've seen where he's the protagonist. Oh, I, I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. But again, it's kind of because it's, it's slim pickings. I always appreciate the episodes where we kind of get to understand the characters and you can kind of apply that understanding to episodes you've seen before and episodes going forward. And of course it's natural that this is the kind of character progression that brain would get where it's like, he's very insecure about his intelligence. And I thought that it was an interesting way to kind of portray that. And, uh, I did the B plot of Buster kind of becoming the new brain was pretty good too. And so, and the idea of, uh, the, the, uh, the brains, the gray matter 
having the lives of their own was an interesting one, but uh, I guess one that they didn't want to really look into too much further. Uh, yeah, I, I would say this is good, not great, um, but there, uh, I'd say Buster had some really great lines. Binky had that terrific one, uh, and uh, you know some some of the situations were a little absurd. But that's uh, right. This is the episode that gave us newspaper and uh, and facing the facts. Oh my gosh! Uh, and oh, another detail. I just before we move on from this yeah. one, I do. We have to mention. I do love DW's disguise as well. Whatever uh, things play into the trope of just trench coat fedora and those glasses, uh, it's so ridiculous. Um, especially when she continues to deliver the train word problem as Brain watch it, walks away. Because I'm sure that took her a long time to memorize, so she's going to say all of it, even if nobody's around. Uh, yeah, so I thought this was pre- uh, pretty good. I, I'd say it's good. Um, I was and, pleasantly and, and, surprised, especially when I figured out it was a brain episode. Ple- pleasantly surprised, I think, is a good way to put it. You're right. And, and I don't know, I think I'm kind of cooling to Steven Crowder's take on brain, but I'm to understand he's not around for too long, so uh, that's not a, huge, not a huge deal. The short thing is kind of kind of interesting it's a very light episode which is nice there's not a whole lot of stakes to it or anything and uh i like uh i I, when i say i like beach episodes i'm not talking about like anime beach episodes but like beach episodes in general i like the beach and so this kind of uh helped me kind of get into a different mindset it's definitely a mood piece yeah i think i think you're right about that there's not a whole lot of story but it's all about the story that's there is all about like, you know, recapturing the beauty of nature. You don't have to, you know, go to all these expensive theme parks to have fun. And it's like, it's a very basic kind of, uh, kids show narrative to be like, but all you have to do is go outside and all this kind of stuff. It's like, all right, I've heard that a dozen, a dozen times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they don't necessarily do a whole lot new with it, but, uh, you know, given the fact that it's promoting like, Hey, go to the beach and all this kind of stuff. I think that's fine. It's, it's fun enough, but it's not exactly. There's not a lot of su- not a lot of substance to it. So you watch it, and you'll probably you'll probably forget about it. But it's a relatively fun watch all the way through. Um, I do think the the first half of the episode is a tad unfocused. Like I think it's weird that so they introduce one fake feed park, and then they introduce another fake feed park, and then like they sort of as quickly as they introduce the second one, they forego it for a third hypothetical theme park. And it's like, well, what was the point of the second one? Uh, so that's like a little bit messy. Uh, but I also, it's interesting because when you think about what is the point of a beach episode in anime, uh, it's twofold, right? One is fan service, obviously, but two, it's sort of like, okay, we've seen these characters, uh, usually in pretty dramatic situations, uh, if it's a beach episode for a non-comedy series. And so this is sort of a, a, a reprise, much like an actual visit to the beach. You're sort of spending time with these characters in uh, a situation that you're not used to, where it's very relaxed, it's laid back, we're sort of just hanging out as opposed to going on an adventure like we usually would. Uh, so for Arthur, it's kind of odd because this very much follows the layout of like an anime beach episode, except we're always kind of relaxed with these characters because the stakes are never really that high. Uh, that doesn't mean... It's just an interesting detail, I thought. Uh, it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I agree with you that, uh, one, I think the second half of the episode, once they actually get to the beach, is where the episode shines. Because it is just a mood piece that has you feeling like, oh, you know what? Being a kid and going to the beach is awesome. Uh, and that's pretty much all you could get from it. 
Uh, I don't think I liked it quite as much as you did, and I don't think I, I definitely didn't like it as much as No Brainer. Uh, but still, I wouldn't say I have negative feelings about the episode. I think uh, you could almost see it as like uh, a young kid's introduction to a beach episode. Mm. Like uh, I, 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 I wanted to say baby's first beach episode, but that sounds you know reductive. It's just like kind of getting used to that feeling before you get it where where it kind of actually matters in a. Uh, in a show with a lot more stakes or something like that. But yeah, it's 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 fine. Uh, okay, so there you go. It's a no-brainer and the sure thing. Another episode of Arthur in the books there. And before we get on out of here, it's time to let you know how you can uh, support us and talk to us because we'd love to talk to you. We got some great uh, feedback this episode and we'd love for you to keep it coming. So here we go. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits on Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. Thank you, Kelsey. Uh, you can email us, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you, Z and Yoshi. Uh, we also have Instagram, at elwoodcitylimits. I'm just figuring out how to use that uh, to its uh, full potential, so apologies if it's a little rough, but you know you can still get uh, some content over there as well. Add some uh, Arthur memes to your feed. And, of course, we are on the Google Podcast Store. Uh, we are at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com, and we're on Apple Podcasts as well. Hey, wherever you find us, give us a rating and review, please and thank you, if you haven't yet. We haven't gotten a new review in a long time, so if you've given us a review in, say, the Apple Podcast Store, uh, then let us know, and we will read it on the air. We would really appreciate it. It's, uh, it helps more people to find us. Uh, you know, we're, we're two years plus into this podcast, but we are, uh, we still want more people to hear what we have to say and to grow the community as well. And speaking of growing the community, uh, we want to do that as well over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. When we reach 10 patrons, we're going to make a uh, Discord server for all of our patrons, and we'll, uh, we'll be able to talk to you on the reg about what's going on. And just in case you don't know what the Patreon entails, on, on weeks where we don't record an episode, you get to hear the filibuster episodes where me and Will talk about whatever. For instance, you've already missed episodes where I talk about anime, Donut County, lots of other stuff, YouTube <laughs> channel, YouTube channels I like. Yeah. Uh, Will's talked about Twin Peaks. He's talked about uh, games he's been playing. And I feel like if we ever miss a week in October, which, given my school schedule, we most likely will, uh, me and Will both have October-themed filibusters coming up. So if you want to hear that, there's only one way, and that's uh, subscribing to the Patreon, as little as $1. That's right, and that's really all it takes. Uh, you know, we're... Uh... I've said this before. We're not looking to make a we're not looking to make a living off of Patreon. This is just a way for you to say thank you if you are so inclined. Uh, oh, I was and it'd be great if I said that into the mic. Uh, yeah, this is a way to say thank you if you're so inclined, and it only takes as little as a dollar a month. I'd love for more people to be hearing our filibusters. Uh, and yeah, we talk movies, anime, music, television, comics, all this great stuff, all the stuff that we love to love and hope that you love too coming up next time on elwood city limits if it's uh, not a filibuster week knock on wood we are entering october and so we're going to be talking about the world record and the cave now the uh, plato's allegory <laughs> getting philosoph philosophical here on elwood city limits from what i remember the cave is going to be one where i think the limits of how far 
certain characters can go in terms of their personality, I think that's going to be tested big time. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that holds up as adults. And the world record, I also know what it's about, and uh, looking forward to that too. My name is Will Young. That's going to do it for this episode of Elwood City Limits and for Lucas Mancini. I just wanted to say I really respected your ignorance. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Have a great week, everybody.